and welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we're qualified London Blue Badge tourist guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London Podcast and on our websites guideemily.com and alexlacy.com for information about our upcoming walking tours and virtual tours as well as what the Blue Badge Guiding Qualification is all about. Hello. Hello you. Hi, how, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, well, very, very, mostly very well, apart from <laughs> having a destroyed knee, which means I can't really walk. All good, yeah. Yeah, you've got a pair of crutches. A pair of crutches. It's the um, it's this season's most uh, fashionable accessory, darling. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, you can spray a little bit of glitter paint on there and off you go. <laughs> I might do. Might, yeah, might sew some sort of uh, something to go around them. I don't know. Anyway, uh, how are you? I'm I'm good. I feel like this week has flown by. It really has. How does the time fly by when we've really got not much of anything to do? No idea. But next week we can start going into places, can't I know. we? Museums open. Can't museums. Wait. Oh, is so there a excited. particular museum that you just cannot wait to get inside of? Yeah, the opening day. I'm going to the V&A. <laughs> oh, brilliant choice. Oh um, gosh. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Well, kind of all of them really. I'm really excited about um, going and having some museum time in a year where it's not that busy, and I can kind of go and and sort of loaf and and do it like see the things that I haven't always spent that much time looking at. Yeah. Um, which would be really fun. Yeah, be a bit of a tourist. Yeah, I'm. I'm very excited. Well, I, I have, think have you booked I, anything in? Uh, Take Modern. Oh, nice. Yeah, of course. And the National Gallery. Lovely. Yeah, cannot wait. So exciting. <laughs> and there's some brilliant exhibitions starting up as well. We've got the um, uh, Yayoi Kusama's Infinity Rooms at the Tate Modern, although that's mm. fully booked until October now. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I tried try to go I on and get tickets. I haven't got a booking for that. No. Nope. No. <laughs> Um, although annoyingly we had we had tickets last year for it and I think they were refunded obviously and then but yeah we haven't had a chance to rebook but never mind never mind we'll get there never eventually mind. I think it's going to be a, an ongoing one that's going to go well into 2022 I think they said yeah so. hopefully so that's good hurrah well it's this week's episode of Ladies Who London podcast welcome back everybody welcome to any new listeners as well hi 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 um so, following up from last week where we chatted about, well, you chatted about Charlie Chaplin, which was great. I did, yes. Really Talking about the chaps. Yeah. The chaps. <laughs> really got to stop calling him that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's so interesting because, again, like, like I said last week, I knew a little bit about him. I knew the odd anecdote, but I didn't really know that much about his, his kind of overall life, really. So, really fascinating. Oh, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, my mum has been watching non-stop YouTube Charlie Chaplin <laughs> clips. She's like, oh, God, I didn't realise that he did this many. Um, did you manage to watch any? No, I didn't. I've been I've been ah! crazy busy this week, um, uh, <laughs> mostly with dealing with my knee. But, um, yeah, no, I need to I need to sit and, and watch some. Mm. I'm still on my, on my plan. I'll put it on my list so I don't forget. Um, yeah, we could have a bit of a cinema night. I could come round and... Yeah! You know, bring over some popcorn and licorice and we can, you know, binge watch Charlie Chaps. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm up for that. Okay. Um, So we have to uh, resolve the podcast pedestal from last week. Yes. So we picked up our two favourite bits of the the story, the kind of the crux bits of it. Um, And we had some, I, I think, some good choices this week. 
Yeah, well, I I did think, oh, you know, she's picked very well. She's gone for the little tramp, which yep. is, you know, the... I mean, it's, it's iconic Charlie Chaplin, it's isn't it? It's iconic Charlie Chaplin. It's what you think about straight away. So I thought, oh, well, she's definitely won this one. Um, but I'm not so sure. Well, what was your option? My option was the licorice shoe. He did take after take of eating this shoe that was made out of licorice to the <laughs> point that he was horrifically ill um and i just think that we've just, all been there it, it, we've all been there too much licorice um he showed huge dedication to his craft so i went with the licorice shoe um well as as is now common it is very tight again this week there are five points in it <gasps> five it's we're always very close aren't we 51 to 56 yeah yeah so is that closer mm. than you're expecting um it is. I did think you that you were going to absolutely, you know, smash it. Oh, you thought I was going to romp home. Okay. I did. I did. Um, I mean, you could have still got this, but I think with only a few points in it, that would be quite shocking. Um, I have not got it this week. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> three out of three. Three out of three. You're on a roll, mate. Whoa. That is incredible. The licorice shoe takes it. <gasps> oh. Thank you very much, everybody, who's voted for the licorice shoe. You've made my whatever, day. Whatever, whatever. Made my day. God, I really thought the little tramp was going to walk all over my shoe. So did I. But uh, didn't. <laughs> no, I did think when you when you picked licorice shoe, I was like, oh, that is a good one. Because it's a very, it's a really good image, isn't it? Mm. Ooh. Oh, it makes so you want to go out and get some licorice. <laughs> what's the score now, then? So the score now, I think, is 16. You're all confused on the scores, aren't you? Is it sixteen fifteen? Let's have a little look. I, I that I don't know. I can tell you it's sixteen fifteen. Is it? If ah! I win next week, we are She's ne- coming back, ne- everyone. She is coming I'm back. Coming, coming back. back. Yep, I'm breathing on your back. You can just oh, about dear. feel it. <laughs> oh dear. So uh so worrying. Um but what's quite exciting is we're hopefully gonna be able to record the podcast in the same place soon. Oh my god, we're gonna be Lovely. next to each other. I mean we have gone out for walks and we have, we have. We saw each other last week actually, didn't we? Yes. So we have we have had some Alex Emily time. But to record <laughs> sitting next to you will be quite an absolute dream. Yeah. I know, I can't wait. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Right, so this week we uh the wheel landed in um where did it land? Was it embankment? If you yeah. say so. I think so. I can't remember now. I can't um, remember. <laughs> yeah, I think, no, I think it was Embankment it? because we talked about how, oh yeah, of course, yeah, there's lots, of, been lots of things in Embankment. Um, so we had a request from one of our listeners who's also a colleague of ours, Rachel, who wanted, it's quite a guide you on this one, wanted um, Waterloo Bridge and Somerset House. So that's what we're going to do. Excellent. Aim, I'm excited. Aim, please. So uh, that's what we're, we're going to have a look at. Um, and... Do you go to Somerset House often? So last time I went was for a gingerbread exhibition. Oh, the which gingerbread was, house. Yes, and it was uh, yeah uh, Christmas two thousand nineteen, and it's just a huge room of all these different kind of London landmarks and buildings made out of gingerbread and sweets. Yeah, it's fabulous. Amazing, isn't it? It's really mm. really good. Um, well, Somerset House. It, I mean, of course, there's the art gallery there, Courtauld um, Art uh, Gallery, which of course is, is your you know your remit you're into 
into your art. Um, but Somerset House is it is a beautiful building and really gorgeous, and you can't really miss it when you're going along uh, the River Thames. You go underneath if you're going east, you go underneath Waterloo Bridge, and it's there on your left hand side. It's it's really beautiful, and it's it's quite a sort of almost like a stately home uh, looking kind of thing, really. Um, and one of the, I go there fairly regularly. Uh, I love the Courtauld, but also they do things like, they have this massive courtyard in the middle of the building and they do um, film screenings in the summer, usually, which yeah. is great fun there. Um, and they also do a photographic exhibition uh, regularly, so I often go and see that. So it's it's a place that I go to regularly and you kind of it's a sort of weird building in that you've got this massive courtyard and then all these different wings that go around it and depending on what you're going to see you sort of shuffle into one wing or another and it's it's almost quite a confusing building to go into um because you don't it's not one that you sort of enter and find your way you kind of you have to kind of go and wiggle through the the, the section that you need um but Somerset House has got quite an interesting history and it it is so it's prime located right by Waterloo Bridge, by the river, by Covent Garden. So very close to, realistically, the kind of royal area of London. And this used to be um, a house for a variety of monarchs. Uh, not the current building, I should say. It's, it's of all of these sort of gorgeous buildings of its age, um, it has evolved probably more than most, actually. It used to be a huge kind of palatial building that was built originally for um, the Duke of Somerset, a guy called Edward Seymour, uh, in 1547. Um, and one of the things I quite like about it is that when they were building it, they decided they were going to scavenge some of the stone from uh, St Paul's Cathedral. There was a, a charnel house. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. There was a charnel house out the front and they decided they were, obviously, I don't know if it would fallen down or whatever, but they scavenged a bit of uh, a bit of stone from there and a couple of other churches in the area oh. uh, to build it. Yeah. Can you find those particular sections? Well, I don't think that that bit exists anymore because uh, the, pretty much the entire building was, was torn down and rebuilt in later years. So right. if that stone is still there, I, I, I personally don't know that, where it would be i'm sure somebody um you know more erudite than me would, would know <laughs> where if, if it's there where it is but i suspect it's probably um probably long gone um it cost a huge amount to build in the first place ten thousand pounds in old money um Whoa. and because it's quite a you know it's quite sizable isn't it it's quite a, a decent oh, it's huge yeah a decent sized building they it's right on the edge of the city of london so mm having that land is not going to be easy to build this massive kind of palace on what are they going to do they had to demolish a whole bunch of churches and homes in order to make it oh of course of course which is nice which of course is going to annoy everybody around the area but you know this is the aristocracy this is this fine they don't you know they're not beholden to anybody um and he was the duke of somerset was actually executed before the house was finished Oh dear! Exactly. So he never got um, to see it finished. Well, that's a shame. Not sad. Um, and when these things happen, of course, you know you get people who are executed for for treason. Usually, that that that's what it'll be is treason. Um, your property can be seized by the monarchs. So this is what happens. The oh. very young Edward the Sixth um, basically nabs his house. Edward the Sixth is Henry the Eighth's son, hmm. that beloved son that we uh, that we always hear about. Um, and I'm sure you know, Edward VI doesn't hang around for long, does he? He doesn't. He dies, what, about 14, 15 Something years like age? that. Yeah. And so the next person to take over, his sister, Mary, Bloody Mary, she decides she's going to have it as well. 
Oh, that bloody Mary. I know. So essentially it goes from being an aristocratic house straight into the hands of the monarchy. And it's where Elizabeth I does live for a time as well. Yeah, she lives there. And when um, Mary becomes queen, it's from Somerset House that Elizabeth I actually rides to welcome her sister Mary when she accedes to the throne. Later, we know that Mary does imprison her in the Tower of London uh, for a little period of time. But uh, for the most part, this is where Elizabeth, she didn't kind of live here full time. She kept an apartment here, really. Okay. And we had grace and favour apartments as well for a variety of people. So grace and favour are where you you live essentially free, pretty much free of rent um, at the expense of normally the monarch. Mm. Um, And the variety of people there, uh, including... A guy called Inigo Jones. Do you know uh, Inigo Jones? I'm sure that's a name that... I do, yes. Um, you've got the Banqueting House. You have, Queen's yeah. House. Absolutely. Um, yeah, quite a well-known architect. Very famous architect. And he moves in under James I. So this is where Somerset House takes uh, a new name. It's called Somerset House after the guy who started it, the Duke of Somerset. And when James I takes it on, his wife is Anne of Denmark. And they rename it for her, Denmark House. Oh. Yeah. So Anne moves in there and she actually kind of prefers being in London than she does being in Scotland. So she she commissions Inigo Jones and Ben Johnson, who's the very famous um, playwright at the time of Shakespeare mm. um, and a little bit later as well, to uh, write these kind of huge theatrical productions, which they perform there, these masks. Uh, so it becomes this real place of entertainment and she massively remodels the whole thing. And she, this is when she creates this very famous courtyard that we know now. Mm. Uh, so and this with is, the, go on. I was just going to say, in terms of the performances, would they have happened within the open courtyard? Yeah, they would have done. Not exclusively, but yes, that was used for wow. a lot of these masks, which was happening. Um, which would have been incredible because the courtyard is, is stunning. It's, I mean, okay, the courtyard is not exactly the same as it, it is now. Um but essentially you've got that three-sided courtyard there, which would have been just incredible. Um, and Inigo Jones is invited to live at Somerset House oh. by Anne of Denmark. And he had, Lucky he had an apartment there. I know. Um, whether it was a grace and favour apartment, I'm not sure. It may have been. It may well have been. And Inigo Jones stays there until he dies. He actually dies in in the in Somerset House. Or oh, I didn't Denmark know that. Denmark that's a great little fact there. <laughs> but even better than that, because it is such a sort of um, important place for the monarchs, we have um, lying in states that happen at Somerset House as well, or Denmark House as it was. So Anne of Denmark, she lies in state there. Mm-hmm. James I lies in state there as well. Wow. And even later on, Oliver Cromwell lies in state as well. Oh gosh, does he? Yeah. Yes. So Oliver Cromwell, now... Like most things, when Charles I comes in, he is um, he starts sort of rebuilding loads of stuff and he creates all the kind of lavish bits and pieces and he gives it to his wife, Henrietta Maria. So it tends to be the kind of one of the homes of the wives of the kings and queens, mm-hmm. uh, of the kings rather. <laughs> um, and when the Civil War happens, Parliament basically grab the house. They say, we're having that. And they decide, well, we don't want it to be called Denmark House anymore. That invokes the monarchs. So they change it back to Somerset House. Wow. Okay. And the parliamentary army move in and they sell off. You know, they need money for this and they sell off all the contents of the house. Right. And they put that money into the war. So there we go. Gosh. 
And as we go through, it kind of keeps getting um, restored. And so after the Civil War, Henrietta Maria moves back in and starts um, uh, restoring it and all this kind of thing. But eventually, in the late 1700s, it's been quite neglected. So they decide they're going to tear it down and build a new Somerset house in its place. And this is what we have today. And originally, the river would have come all the way up mm. to the building. You know, you've got the embankment on the far side, on the side where you've got Waterloo Bridge, yeah. which dates from the 1800s. So up until then, the river came all the way up to Somerset House. And if you look at it from the river, I'm sure you've noticed this, there is a massive water arch. Have you noticed that before? Yes, yeah. yes. And the water would have just flowed in from the Thames, wouldn't it? Exactly. And you can see it from the road if you're quick, <laughs> because you're going along. But yeah, essentially, it was a way that aristocrats would travel by, well, and monarchs would travel by river, mm. because it means that you are less likely to be <laughs> bugged by us annoying, scummy Londoners. Uh, you're also less likely to be held up at knife point and it's just a nicer way to travel so you would sail your ship along the river and straight underneath the building which is where you'd then disembark yeah but that still exists that Mm. that water arch even though it's not linked to the river anymore um so there we go and that's where we get the the current building from have you i'm sure you've been inside the building a few times yes yeah so have you seen the there's two really beautiful staircases have you seen those uh i think i know the ones you're talking about so there's yeah. one called the Stamp Stair and there's one called the Nelson Stair. Okay, the, yeah. The Stamp Stair. Now, this is the thing. So after the house has been remodelled, it kind of becomes um, sort of an office space, really. So lots and lots of parliamentary offices use it. And bit by bit, it has sort of been given over to a variety of kind of royal societies and this, that and the other. But one of the things that used to be there was a thing called the Stamp Office. And what the Stamp Office would do is they would stamp official documents to show that the correct tax has been paid on them or stamp duty which is where we still have the stamp duty for houses okay so it's been stamped to say yep i've paid the tax on it that's what it comes from and one bizarre thing is that every newspaper sold in britain had to be up until about the mid 1800s had to be physically brought to somerset house to be stamped one at a time God bloody hell, that's a journey for a stamp, isn't it? It really is. And realistically, there weren't that many newspapers around at the time. It comes in a bit later that there's this massive rise. And in 1855, they removed this tax, which frankly must have been a massive relief God, to everybody. Can you imagine concerned. if like, you got there, you know, it was a massive journey. It took hours to get there for your stamp. And you rock up and they say, I'm really sorry, but we've run out of ink. I'm not not sure that would be a problem you'd hope not anyway blimey that would not be good so yeah there's this amazing staircase that takes you up um, there which is caught so it keeps its name from the stamp office which um, isn't there any longer but the Nelson stair is beautiful so the Nelson stair is possibly the most gorgeous one and it's it goes up six floors um, really really stunning and each flight of the stair is different so you kind of, as you go, you kind of see it changing. And if you look down, you've got that classic, lovely spiral staircase, just beautiful bit. Mm-hmm. And it takes its name from the fact that it led to a room that was uh, where the Navy board used to meet. And a lot of these were, meetings were attended by Nelson himself, Admiral Nelson. Oh, there you yeah. go. Um, they originally, they moved in in the 1700s and they were in about one third of the building. So they took over a huge amount of it. Now, we've also got the Admiralty, which is down in uh, in Westminster area. Um, and it's slightly different. So the Admiralty sort of looked after all of the um, naval 
operations and the kind of the physical running of it but the navy board looked after all the kind of practical stuff the nuts and the bolts of everything so almost two different sections and so that's where it would be and so that's why it's called the nelson stair because it was there for long enough that that they kind of linked this this boardroom inextricably to admiral nelson so it is well worth a look i really recommend a visit to somerset house and they do architectural walks and tours um around it so you can i mean whether they're doing them at the moment i'm not sure but they always used to do these fantastic kind of history walks around so if you want to go and know more um then that is a great place to go but lovely just outside somerset house we have the gorgeous waterloo bridge do you know anything about the waterloo bridge so i know that it was created during world war Two. Mm-hmm. It gets its name, the Ladies' Bridge. Yeah. Um, I'll let you say why. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know there was an assassination on the there bridge, was. but um, you, I don't think you want me to go dark today. Well, <laughs> you always go dark. There's no changing that. <laughs> um, so. But yeah. So I think we've talked in the past, um, maybe on the podcast, maybe on Global Tea Break, I'm not sure, um, about bridges and the fact that, I know I've mentioned them on my virtual tours quite a bit, um, that for the longest time there was only one bridge in London and it was London Bridge. And pretty much for the best part of 1700 years, it was the only bridge uh, or road crossing in London. Everything else you would cross the water with a ferryman, lighterman, they would take you across um on little sort of ferries to go across so bit by bit the bridges start up but there's a lot of of um opposition to them because of course these ferrymen make their money from taking people across the rivers and every time a bridge is mooted then there's a big old you know no 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 kind of campaign against it because these guys are going to lose their livelihood essentially so waterloo bridge isn't brought in until the 1800s which you kind of it's a bit weird you think it's Waterloo Bridge. How was there not a bridge there yeah. for so long? But there wasn't. You know, it's, it's always been in the, in the heart of London. But anyway, no bridge there. Because I guess there was, I guess the closest one there would have been Westminster. Yeah, but um, what date is Westminster? Is Westminster? That's about 1700s. 1700s, yeah. So that would have been the closest one. Mm. And this is the there's quite a lot of bridges that spring up in a very um, short period of time. Um so actually the Westminster Bridge I need to double check the the dates on that I know that the current one was in 1860 something whether Mm. there was one before then no I don't think there was so Westminster Bridge wasn't until 1860s ah what about the original Hungerford Bridge um the uh, original Hungerford Bridge was only a rail bridge right okay um so that yeah cl- the close bridges there aren't really any so you have to go no. a little bit further down when you do get some arriving in the 1700s but there's a kind of a flurry in the mid 1800s which is natural you know we've uh, this is where bridge building has really kind of come forward and we've had the industrial revolution and all this sort of stuff so this one was opened in 1817 and it wasn't called the waterloo bridge originally dun 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 i know Gosh, wanna, what's it called do you want to have a guess at what it was called um quite, it's quite a boring name to be fair is it something like <laughs> not coming up with anything are you no like concrete bridge granite bridge not not quite that boring oh. <laughs> um hey up we've got a bridge 
Bridge Bridge. Bridge Bridge. <laughs> um, no, it was originally called the Strand Bridge. How oh, dull. How, how dull. How yes. dull. That is dull, isn't it? But it was actually, the name was changed before it was even finished. They sort, You know, the, the way that we are in the UK, we bless the French. We love them. But there's a, there's a rivalry there, isn't there? And there always has been. And one of the things that we love is beating the French in battle. Can I say that? Um, and so whenever we do, we decide we're going to just name everything after it. So this is where they went, oh, actually, I think we should call it Waterloo after this fantastic battle. We can never let people forget. Yeah, exactly. And so this was opened um, in 1817, which is only two years after the Battle of Waterloo. Mm. Uh, it was opened by the Prince Regent and somebody else was with him who might he have invited along to the opening of Waterloo Bridge, named after the Battle of Waterloo. Oh, could it have been the Duke of Welly? Was the Duke of Welly, yes. <laughs> so it was only two years after Waterloo and they were like, come on, bring bring all your, your finery, come on Welly and, and come to the bridge. And that's what he did. <laughs> and there we go. Great. And in order to recoup the, the money they've spent on it, they decide they're going to put a toll on the bridge. Mm. So, you know, it's quite good. Um, and there are other bridges in London at this time um, and they are free. So, oh, so this is the only one. Yeah. The only one. Well, I'm guessing people didn't go on it much. <laughs> they really didn't. And it was a complete financial disaster. Everyone just took a longer route and did the free bridges. So that yeah, was of course. Yeah. Gosh, how and cheeky so they lost of them. an absolute ton of money on it. And eventually they sold it to the Metropolitan Board of Works. Right. And they sold it. Do you reckon that they um, broke even, made a profit? What do you reckon? Um, I think they probably made a profit. They sold it for about half of what it cost to build. Oh, gosh. Okay. So <laughs> not doing too well at all. Really not doing very well. Um, it was uh, built by a guy called John Rennie. Do you know the name John Rennie? Yes. John Rennie is quite well known for uh, some of the docks in London, canals. Yeah. And bridges. He built a variety of bridges, actually. Um, uh, yeah. So he... It, and this, this bridge was said to be the noblest bridge in the world. Oh. It was, yeah, it, it, seemed, it seems quite mad to think about it. It's not the bridge that we've got today. It had nine arches. He's also, Rennie goes on to, to build um, uh, Southwark Bridge as well. Um, he also did London, the new London Bridge. So that would have been bridge number four, the one that's now in Arizona. He did that yeah. one. Um, and so, yeah, he, he's, he's a bridge guy. This is what he does. And it had Gosh. nine arches and it was made of granite and it was said to be absolutely beautiful. And the, the artist, Canova, said that it was worth going to England just to see Rennie's bridge. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a noble bridge as well. I mean, you know. How could a bridge be noble? <laughs> how could a bridge be noble? Yeah. Um, but what, you know, if you think about it, at this time, Brits are going to Italy to get their architecture fixed, aren't they? They're going abroad. Yes to sort of have a look around and go, oh, this is amazing architecture. And Canavan's saying, go to London, look at this bridge. <laughs> so, and do but, we have, there must be some sketches of it. Uh, well, there are more than sketches because it seemed to prove a bit of a bridge uh, of inspiration for one particular chap who likes to paint things over and over again. Monet. Monet painted it oh. about somewhere in the region of 40 times. He was staying at the Savoy Hotel. You know how Monet used to like to paint the same thing in different weathers, in different lights, in different, yeah. you know, all that kind of thing. And that's what he did. He had a room at the Savoy Hotel and from it, he painted the bridge about 40 times. Wow. And John Constable painted it as well. Um, John Constable in particular painted a, um, uh, the, the 
bridge on the opening ceremony. And it was quite, you know, it's an exciting day. And it's now, it's a huge painting. You can see it in Tate Britain. Gosh, uh, I'm just going to have to have a little quick look now, if you don't mind. Just yeah, so no, I can of course. Get John Constable Waterloo Bridge. I mean, who knew that? I mean, this is obviously the previous bridge, so we don't have this this beautiful thing anymore. No, but again, you're similar to the kind of the London Bridge because that, uh, you know, this this nine, 19 arches that you had in London Bridge. Okay. He did the nine arches of Waterloo Bridge. Um, oh, right. Yes. Well, it's quite... Not that the 19 arches was a Rennie Bridge, but still. He's painted it to look quite white in colour, mm. which makes it look quite Venetian. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, it does a little bit. Mm. Yeah, I'll put a picture up on Instagram so everyone's. Are you see. looking at the Monet one or the? Um, I'm looking at the Constable, Constable one. Constable one, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful painting. So you can see it; it's quite big, actually. You can it's see it huge. in Tate Britain. Um, yeah. Yeah! Wow! Lovely. It's a lovely painting. Mm. Um, so there we go. So Constable, yeah. So people really loved it, and they. Um, and you can see in that picture that he's done as well that that's the opening. So you can see it's all kind of there's all the boats in the river and you know lots and lots of fanfare and all that kind of thing. Probably helped the fact that it was named after Waterloo. But anyway, um, so this this amazing bridge sadly we don't have it because it has been removed. Um, in 1924, the bridge was getting basically a bit too old for vehicles. It was designed for horse and carriage and 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 you know it starts to kind of become a little bit structurally unsound and there's uh, problems with foundations and it's all a little bit, you know, mm. and there's a bit of a fight over whether or not to remove it. There are two camps of thought in, in amongst the London City Council who are the ones who are trying to decide. There's you, You've got, on one side, you've got the engineers who are very practical and they're saying, look, it's just really not fit for purpose it's it, there's going to be a problem we need a usable bridge and there's the other side who are uh, kind of going oh but it's Rennie's masterpiece and it's beautiful and it's oh we've got to do it um and so it's a bit of a stalemate and it kind of goes on for a few years and eventually in 1934 uh, Labour win uh, the general election what's that like um under a guy, <laughs> a guy called Herbert Morrison and at this point Morrison's like right Sorry, guys, the London uh, City Council comes under his uh, his remit and he says, sorry, but, you know, um, uh, it's not going to happen. We're going to take it down. And the, the way that he decides to do it is he goes up to the stone and he he, um, he on the day that they're going to start taking it down, he actually destroys the first stone himself. Oh, gosh. What yes. does he kind of, you know, suddenly bring a pickaxe out of his <laughs> probably, bag? Probably like a hammer it's or like, pickaxe. Right, guys, he? say goodbye. <laughs> yeah, he, he chops off, basically chops off the first uh, the first bit of stone. So, um there we go wow. so that's a quite a statement right there it is so we lose the bridge the bridge goes and the current one uh, was designed by giles gilbert scott mm. him of battersea power station tate modern fame and the crucially the red phone boxes some of them crucially absolutely yeah, absolutely now he is not an engineer he's a designer so he <laughs> hilariously and i'm sure any engineers um who happen to be listening will will probably resonate with this and be like oh yeah yeah um his the design that he created was not easy to make it was very um he hadn't really thought about the how you would put it together and he wanted these big sort of concrete slabs underneath to shore everything up and going kind of going in different directions um but they managed it and it became the first reinforced concrete bridge over the Thames in London. Wow. But it becomes known as the Ladies' Bridge. Now, why does it become known as the Ladies' Bridge? Well, it started actually by men in 1939. There's about 500 men who start work on the bridge. But 1939, 
World War Two. Uh, and as war breaks out, um, they bit by bit, all the all the chaps, or most of the chaps, uh, go away to war. And by the end, there's only about 50 of them left who are still able to build the bridge. So now this is where we didn't have any evidence for this for a long time. It was known as the Ladies' Bridge because women were drafted in to come and build the bridge, take up where the men had left off and to create, you know, finish the, the plans. And for ages, there was no evidence of this because the company who had employed them, their records had been destroyed. And when it was um, unveiled, this is what was quite amazing. So the majority of it was built by women. But when it was unveiled, uh, the guy who unveiled it said, um, in fact, it was Herbert Morrison, again, the same guy. He said, the men who built Waterloo Bridge are fortunate men. They know that, although their names may be forgotten, their work will be a pride and use to London for many generations to come. He didn't even mention the women. <gasps> Herbert, what an absolute... Well, I can't say it on the podcast, but... <laughs> <laughs> God, yeah. so all these ladies are there, you know. I guess you'd think that they'd be there for the unveiling. Yeah. You know, thinking, oh, you know, I wonder if we're going to get a mention. That, yeah. I wonder what he's going to say. Good old yeah. Herbert. And... Wow, what a slap in the face. Absolutely. And you could it wasn't actually any evidence to corroborate this this claim that it was the women's bridge until about 2015 there was a historian called Christine Wall and she did some seriously deep digging. She <laughs> was like, "Right, I I need to uh, I need to find some evidence of this because there's a claim here and I I want to find out if it's true." And she did some digging and she found photos of the women working on the bridge. Oh, wow. So it wasn't until about six years ago that it was actually definitely corroborated that women had um, built the bridge and they were the majority of the labour force for most of it. Wow, I didn't realise 2015. Yeah, yeah. Now there's no plaque at all um, Mm. to that at the moment. There's plans to erect one, but you know, like all these things, they take a while. Um, But it is said to be, now again, this might be slightly spurious, but it's said to be the only London bridge to come in on time and under budget. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that. amazing, and um, and it also now there was also this 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 theory that said, oh, it's the women's bridge. They made it so that it self cleans. Um, it's made Gosh. of Portland stone, and it actually, do you know what? It does self clean. Oh well, there um, you go. It's it is it's made of Portland stone, and as the rain hits it, it trickles down in such a way that it it kind of cleans the bridge as it goes. And you can tell this because if you go underneath the bridge, it is a lot darker and grimier under there, mm-hmm. so you can see the difference, which is really really handy to have a bridge that self cleans. Means you don't have to do these massive projects to to do it. It was Definitely. the only bridge as well to be damaged in World War Two, so damaged as they were still building it. Um, which seems like quite a a big thing that that all of the other bridges came out unscathed, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Because Amazing. I guess in the nineteen forties we would have had, well, pretty much all the bridges that we have there now. Yeah, yeah. So the bombing raids across London. The thing is, you've got to remember with bridges is that when the bombs are dropping, if they're dropping on buildings and it drops on one building, a building two or three doors down could still be damaged from shrapnel, from the shaking, from whatever it is. Yeah. But if a bridge misses, if a bomb misses a bridge, it falls in the water and there isn't going to be the same sort of impact to neighbouring structures such as a bridge. Yeah. So actually they are uh, almost a little bit safer because the chance of hitting one directly on is relatively small. Yeah. And if it, if it lands next to it, it's not actually going to damage it because it okay. lands in the water. Yeah. So quite handy so that's the only bridge that was um damaged 
in World War Two. And Waterloo Bridge has kind of become a bit of um, a sort of famous bridge. You, you've got the, the very famous song by the Kinks, Waterloo Sunset, mm. uh, which talks about the bridge. And it has been filmed on a variety of times. Um, there's loads of different um, movies and TV shows that have used it. One of the things that... Well, there was a film um, uh, in 1940. It was called Waterloo Bridge, and it starred Vivian Lee and Robert Taylor. Mm. And it was Oscar-nominated, if not possibly winning as well. Um, and there were all sorts of amazing um, you know, poems and songs that are written about it. It seems like a really kind of big, a, a big spot. I mean, it's, I have to say, it's one of my favourite bridges in London for the view. The view from that on both sides is amazing, isn't it? I agree. I think, yeah, maybe it's been in movies and talked about in poetry because of its location. Yeah. And and the Kinks, when they wrote Waterloo Sunset, it, it talks about living in London and watching life from Waterloo Bridge. Mm. Um, but one of the things that people might recognise it from is, well, it's actually underneath the bridge, is uh, the TV series Sherlock. Because ah. in one of the episodes, um, I can't remember which one now, I think it was in the first series, he reaches out to his homeless network, if you remember, to get, to get some information on somebody. And he goes and meets his informant underneath Waterloo Bridge. There's a sort of big concrete open area underneath, and that's where he goes. Which is where they have the soup kitchen. Yes. Well, they were. They did have the soup kitchen. I'm not too sure if it's there at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. That's the same spot. Mm. And you mentioned an assassination on the bridge. I did. Yeah. Um, 1978, this took place. It was a Bulgarian journalist. He was working for the BBC. And he was walking across um, Waterloo Bridge. He'd sort of stopped at the bus stop. And somebody came past him and stabbed him with a poisoned umbrella. Um, which is the sort of thing that you would imagine in a spy movie isn't it but completely like from an umbrella as well yeah it actually happened and he didn't he didn't realize at the time no i don't think so he kind of um i think you know started to feel very unwell yeah and then suddenly he was in hospital like a couple of days later yeah and they found this poison yeah within him yeah gosh there we go so that is um waterloo bridge right there and Somerset House. House. Wow, two for the price of one, Alex. <laughs> so there we go. Just a couple of um, little, you know, London landmarks, really. For no, fantastic. And thank you so much, Rachel, for putting that idea forward. Um, if anybody else has any ideas or any place yeah. or something you want us to talk about, please do do let us know. Yeah, absolutely. We're very happy to uh, uh, to take your requests. And as and when it, the, the, the wheel hits somewhere that's located um, or, or linked to it, we'll very happily have a chat about it. Absolutely. Oh, that was brilliant. I have to say, I, I didn't know that much about Somerset House. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's quite an interesting spot, actually, when you think about how much has happened there, because it doesn't seem like the sort of building that would have housed quite so many sort of historical events, but, but it is. Yeah. Podcast Pedestal. So Podcast Pedestal this week is going to be... Oh, gosh, it's going to be a bit confusing, got, isn't it? We've got two, two different things, but, you know, I, I think that's fine. That's all right. I think yeah, I think that's okay. So it's okay for us to both go because it's basically the crux of the podcast, isn't it? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Oh dear me. What do, um, what do you think you're going to go for? I think I know what I'm going to go for. I think I know what I'm going to go for. Go on then. Go I first. think it's Herbert's speech. Oh, okay. The smashing of the stone. No, the one where he just didn't mention oh, the ladies. Yeah. yeah. Um. I don't know how that would be put in a poll, though. I don't know how. 
We'll figure out the wording of that. We'll figure out the wording. But yeah, the the leaving leaving that crucial part of the building of the bridge out that it was built by women. Yeah. I think is just awful. And the fact that we only found out for sure that it was built by women in 2015. Yeah. Maybe I might just can I go for the ladies bridge? <laughs> yeah. I mean yeah, yeah, why not? Go <laughs> yeah, we'll go for the female the lady construction workers. Yeah, lady can yeah, I think yeah, maybe just them. Yeah. The con- la- yeah, the female construction workers. Women working workers. at the bridge. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I think I'm going to go for that. All right, that was one of my options as well. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to step back from that one. Um, I'm also going to go for a bridge one. Oh. I'm going to go for Monet painting the bridge 40-odd times. Oh, that's a good one. That's really good Because I sort of love, you know, with Monet, I'm, I'm a big fan of Monet, as I think most people are. Um, I love that he has always looked at things slightly differently and he's always looked at stuff where he's gone this is interesting to me and it's so interesting that I need to kind of document all the different ways that it looks. He does it with Rouen Cathedral, he does it with Haystacks, he does it with a variety of things. So, you know, Rouen Cathedral, massive, important building, Haystacks, you know, normal and everyday and and relatively mundane. So I love that he, there are things that just speak to him and one of those things was um, the bridge. Yeah. Which I think is fascinating. See, I'm going to go for his, his 40... Um, paintings of that which I love the image of him doing it from the Savoy it's really beautiful isn't it god knows how long he was at the Savoy for no yeah <laughs> his bill must have been immense it really must have been yeah. not to mention the amount of money he spent on his acrylic <laughs> or oil or whatever he was using at the time yeah. okay great so Monet's painting and female yeah. construction workers perfect Ooh, let's see. Am I going to get another one? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I think you Come might on, actually guys. that one. I think Let you me might. level. Let I've, me I've, level I've, I'm, already, um, I'm already sort of limbering up for a loss for next week. <laughs> Ooh. We'll see, we'll see. So, um, before we get on to uh, The Wheel of Destiny, what have you got coming up? You got anything happening? So... Um, over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be concentrating on my art. So just kind of um, plug in my other Instagram page, 21 out there, which is <laughs> sketch underscore history. Um, so I'm going to be doing some more live drawings over there and and yeah, just having a bit of a, an arty couple of weeks. So if anyone wants to come and join me and see me draw live, then come over to sketch history and you'll see information about when I'm going to do that. And and yeah, yeah. Lovely. Yay. And and you? Well, um, so I finished my virtual tour series now and I was going to say, yes, I'm doing walking tours. I may have to wa- lay off walking tours for a couple of weeks due to my knee, but I am going to shortly launch more dates for later in the summer because um, they're only up until about early June at the moment. So I am going to put up some more dates. Um, yeah, that's it really. And then my Tudor box is still, is still happening. So if you want to do an escape room, uh, a virtual escape room then go and have a look but that is still going strong and I'm hopefully launching another one soon fantastic so that's it really at the moment the wheel of destiny right is it time for the wheel it is time for the wheel yep <sighs> okay so it's, it's my pick next week isn't it it's my pick yep Lovely. um I've got my list I've got Good. my little list of things I would like to talk about oh, don't um, drop the wheel 
So, <laughs> so <laughs> I heard that clonk. <laughs> it is, I have to say, I'm going to have to make another one because it is looking a little bit well used. I mean, yeah, we're not, we're not the greatest of... Uh... <laughs> Oh no, but it's my fault for you know spinning it every night, even when you're not here. So, <laughs> oh, is that what's been happening? <laughs> Honestly. Um. Okay. Cool. Right. Here we go. Oh, Arch. No, I'm so excited that it is landed in this area. Um, and I'm hoping actually you're going to allow me to talk about what I want to talk about in this area because it's actually just. Hey, there are no rules. Let's do there it. There are no rules because it's just kind of just on the outskirts, I would say, of it. Just okay. on the outside. Um, so it's landed in Soho. Again? <laughs> Actually, no, we haven't had Soho. It's made it we keep getting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think we've had Soho. Cool. Um, and Soho is obviously really well known for music. Mm. You've got so many um, recording studios. You've got music venues, Ronnie Scott's Jazz Club. But just around the corner you've got a street which is called Denmark Street. Oh yeah. So I'd like to talk about um, Denmark Street. Tin Pan Alley. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So if that's allowed. Of course. Absolutely. Wonderful. We make the rules. Yeah, perfect. So I'm going to be talking about Denmark Street next week. How fantastic. There's a couple of good ukulele shops on there. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Fab. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, thank you all so much for coming and listening. We don't forget we'll put the polls up on Sunday um, so you can come and vote. And please, if you've enjoyed the podcast, like and subscribe and rate us. Um, we'd be very, very appreciative uh, if you were to do that. And we will see you next week for a bit of lovely music stuff. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.